when we first set out on our chosen path, we consult our compass and we set our intention. In many ways, this is all the control we have over the events of our journey. But as we embark on our adventure, we often discover that we do have one more magic thread in our pocket. We discover it by chance, as one is granted a wish at precisely the right moment. We have been offered the power of perspective, and we possess this power even in our most challenging moments. Perspective allows us to choose how we view ourselves and the world around us. This governs our actions and can help steer our course in life. This is Nature Therapy and Beyond, and I'm your host, Katherine Skynot, holistic journalist and broadcaster, bringing you a glimpse of holistic wellness and lifestyles, speaking with practitioners from around the world. Thank you for joining us today in Surrey, England. Here it is a gray day. The warmth and generous spirit of my guest is most welcome. This is the perfect moment to meet with Mary and Ryan. She is a holistic and intuitive therapist, crystal healing specialist, and author. She uses earthen tools such as crystals, energetic grids, and dowsing rods to diagnose, harness, and direct not only our own energies, but the energies of the earth as well. Marion is speaking with me about balance, finding the relationship between internal peace and external chaos. around us to our own internal environment so if we're feeling chaotic and unsettled then that's what we'll see in the world around us but if we can find that stillness and inner calm and it's finding ways of helping and that's where the crystals really do come in in terms of how you personally are using crystals in your therapeutic practice how would you define what you're doing in relationship to crystal work well, when you think of it, everything comes down to energy. And, you know, scientists are now recognizing that due to the lattice formation within crystals, that they're capable of absorbing and emitting large amounts of energy. And, you know, they are pulsating, vibrating energy, rocks or gems or gifts from the earth. And when we bring any energy into our energy frequency, we know from the basic laws of physics that frequency affects frequency. So having these in our environment, physically touching them, having them on our person, bringing in higher energy frequency energies into our energy field helps, I suppose, disperse and break down any congestion within our own energy field. And where there's any congestion or disruption, that's when disease kicks in because there's, you know, blockages, congestion, uh, whether it's on an emotional, a mental level, a physical level, and even on a spiritual level. If we can keep our energy flowing and clear, then, you know, our body kicks in, the body heals itself, um, and the body can repair itself. We are amazing, wonderful um human beings and to be able to take mother nature and bring her in as a healing tool to keep our energy flowing is the best way to support the body so that the body can heal itself. 
In terms of molecular structure, don't crystals have a similar crystalline structure to that of human cells? I think they do, and a lot of the high vibrational crystals, they're capable of bringing in a lot of heightened energy, you know, a higher vibration, bringing more light in and activating um, the cells. Um, there's Byron Eyes, Herkimer Diamonds, they're all high frequency energy. And, you know, when you bring them in, I suppose in a way they work on the subtle energy systems. They bring harmony, they bring light, and it's like an infusion of spiritual light coming in and awakening the body, um, supporting it where it's needed. Um, and especially at the process of, you know, our evolution at this moment, um, you know, supporting us as we're processing whatever has been uh, dislodged, disrupted, whatever chaos is being, I suppose, brought to the surface for healing. These crystals, these high vibrational crystals that are available to the earth at the moment, I think they're awakening within us light like we've never known it before. But it's important that we also have very grounding crystals, that we're very connected to the earth and that we remain in our bodies. And I think that's where a lot of people can kind of get lost is that um, especially when they work with a lot of the high vibrational crystals, they forget that all this energy coming into the body, all this energy needs to be grounded, given an outlet down into the earth. So in a sense, working with crystals is a lot like a mathematical equation. A plus B equals C. So what you need is if you're going to try and elevate your frequency, you need a high vibration, but you need to couple that with a grounding frequency um, in order to maintain the balance. Otherwise, you're sort of floating around up in your head. Exactly. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the HeartMath Institute in America, have you? Yes, I interviewed uh, someone from that institute a little while ago. Their amazing research is showing that the heart is, you know, the core of everything, and it sets the vibrational frequency of the whole body, the mind, the heart, the core. So if we can work from a heart center where your the vibration of your open heart then determines or influences the energy of your thoughts and thinking and that in turn determines or influences the energy of your your actions your behavior um, so it's like bottom up top down uh, process in psychology so by being able to stay present and heart-centered and out of the head out of the mind because when we overthink things when we try and apply logic to things it's like the ego gets in the way and that can block the healing but the moment we can stay heart-centered the moment we can go in and connect with our light within and again, this is where a lot of the crystals really do help us. So by working with our chakra system, by being able to bring balance and harmony and keep the energy flowing, but what we need to remember is, you know, we're on this planet during this time for a reason. And, uh, you know, epigenetics now is showing that we are carrying up to 16 generations of their emotional imprint, their misspent emotions. And a lot of the energies that are coming up for people at the moment 
you know, or it's like the grief, the fear is triggering old grief and old fears. So, you know, I think I've been very present in the moment, very present in our body, very open hearted and very heart centered. That gives us the compassion, the trust, the insightfulness. Uh, we can really tap into our inner awareness or intuition. Uh, these, you know, these old fears, old griefs, old wounds, we're carrying a lot of trauma, a lot of imprints of trauma that's been passed down through the generations. And all of this energy is being dislodged at the moment in people. So people are struggling. How do I deal with grief? How do I deal with loss? How do I deal with fear? And a lot of them, you know, a lot of children at the moment are struggling with um, suppressed emotions in relation to grief and fear around the potential loss of their loved ones. And it's very confusing for them because a lot of the energies that's coming up, they're not even their, their energies, their old imprints um, that they, they don't own. It's just like the energy they were born into. A, a, it's a bit like when a plant, a bulb wants to emerge through the earth, but it struggles to break through all that toxic soil. And then when it does pop its head up above the soil, it's this limp little plant that, you know, can't flourish. And that's how we are at the moment. Whereas if we could just clear the energy beneath our feet, clear our genetic link, our ancestral link, our karmic link, our soul group link, or past life links, or masculine and feminine links with Mother Earth, then it would be easier for us to remain grounded. A lot of people don't like the energy they're standing in. They can't relate to it, and yet it's fear-based, um, full of grief, full of sadness, loss, um, and whatever epigenetic inheritance. You know, we think these are the family jewels, and then we discover actually they're not really that precious. Mm. You know, my view is we get to inherit all this energy. And because we inherit it, we can then decide what we do with it. We can heal it. Whereas, you know, it's been sitting there for generations and we're trying to emerge as fulfilled humans with a purpose and a goal in life. But we're struggling, wading through all this epigenetic energy. When you talk about carrying the frequency of previous generations, it sort of makes me think of a filing cabinet and we're carrying that around in our cells with us. And it's almost as though all of the feelings, the fear, um, the way we automatically react to things is almost like it's cross-referenced in the filing cabinets. I like what you say actually about it not being coming from us because I think that gives people a certain control or a certain personal power to think that they have a choice of what they're going to do with this family inheritance, as you say. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's crucial to healing is to be able to say, wow, an energy comes up and you go, wow, look what this person triggered in me. Wow. Look at this epigenetic inheritance that I have. Now, I can decide, do I want to process it? Or do I want to suppress it? Or do I want to project it onto that person? Do I want to feed into the pattern and keep it going, you know, for generations to come? 
or do I think actually, you know, I, I can own this. I, I can put healing in where healing never went before. There's a lovely, lovely, simple way to heal. And that is if you were to take your awareness to your heart center and to imagine the most beautiful stream of light within you. And we now know from science that we all have light within us. And if you were to step into that light and take your awareness in. And I remember when I first started doing this and I thought, I wonder what psychology or psychiatry would think of this technique. And I Googled stepping into your light and I found uh, Professor Antonio Damasio. I think he was in Southern California University. And he said, stepping into your light is a wonderful metaphor for accessing your sense of self, your sense of consciousness. And that's what it does. It takes our awareness out of there and it takes us into our own sense of self. And in that place, if we were to take our awareness to our physical heart, and then behind the physical heart, there's this beautiful stream of light pouring in to the physical heart and just watch it pouring in and set the intention that it's finding wounds and hurts and pains and you're just watching what that light does to the energy of your heart you're freeing it up so you're allowing light into the emotions and we know from neuroscience that wherever our focus is that's where our energy is so if we're focusing on the light then that's what we're amplifying but we also know that the brain believes whatever it sees and that the body responds automatically to whatever the brain perceives so we also know that your subconscious does exactly what you tell it to do but we just need to take the time out of our day to direct it so when you're directing that light into your physical heart into your emotional heart and you're giving it a direction and an intention through your heart center, through the pure field of intention, then that in itself is a beautiful healing. If someone is aware enough of themselves and what's going on internally to understand that they've been triggered and they're experiencing something and the energy is coming up and when they feel it come up, can they work with this light that you've referenced to be a witness, to watch it going through their body yeah, and finding? So in that sense, it gives them the chance to step away from the feeling, which allows them not to suppress, not to project. Do you know what a onesie is? Um, for babies, a little sleeping suit. So we have a thought and a feeling starts coming up in the body. And then before we know it, there's this big onesie of energy and it's enveloped, it's all around us and it's within us. But we have the choice, we can stay in that energy or not. And I liken it to the onesie where you unzip and you step out of the onesie. So now the onesie of emotion is standing in front of you. So we know from neuroscience that we acknowledge, first and foremost to healing is acknowledging that, that the emotion is there. Number two is allowing it to surface. But this way, you're allowing it to surface in a very safe way. So you can step out of that onesie. Then if you were to direct that light into the onesie and you're watching it dissolve and you're breaking it down. So you step out of the suit 
you witness it being separate from you. But you don't just sort of leave it floating in the ether. You actually ad- address it with some light healing. Yeah, exactly. There's another thing I love to do, and that is I love to reach up to my higher self and I ask my higher self for a beautiful heart-shaped envelope of light or a ball of light, whichever feels right for you. So you're taking a higher frequency energy and you're putting it into a lower frequency energy. Frequency affects frequency. And what you're saying here is I'm acknowledging this unprocessed uh, emotion. I've allowed it to surface. I've stepped out of it. I'm watching it. It's right here in front of me. I could even hold it on my hand. Or I often say to clients, put it on a hanger. So there it is. You're holding it. It's on a hanger. You're watching this onesie of emotion. And now what you're doing is you're putting light into it, but you're watching what the light does and the light is dissolving it. Whatever you're perceiving, your brain is believing. You're now rewriting the chemistry in your body. You're bringing healing in. You're owning your stuff. You're giving your subconscious an outlet for whatever needs to come up or whatever has been triggered. So this is really getting into um, cellular healing, digging deep into your roots down to the cellular level. It's sort of interesting, the terminology, because it's you're you're undoing it but you're only undoing it for yourself or does this have a ripple effect oh my word whatever you vibrate to whatever so if you're locked in all that old emotion um then your energy is dense it is kind of dragged down with it yeah but as soon as you start healing and you start bringing light in now you're raising your frequency So any entanglement, any enmeshment you had with others, all of those fall away as well. You know, there's a a lot of ways of working with this healing. So I would like, for instance, to take a ball of light from my higher self and drop it into my relationship with my husband or my relationship with my daughter. So I'm not putting it into their energy because they have free will. But what I'm doing is I'm putting it into my relationship. So there's a wonderful way of working with the heart center. So if you were to think about a particular relationship that you may experience some emotion or there may even be a wound or some trauma that you've shared. So as soon as you think about it, you start to bring that up in your energy. Now, a lot of people don't feel it. And the reason they don't feel it is because they've blocked it. And we're very good at blocking and blocks do exactly what we tell them to do. They block. And these blocks can sit there for days, weeks, months, even years. But what people fail to recognize is that energy is still behind the block. It's still alive. It's still playing out. It's still recalling that event as if it were still happening. And that's where a lot of trauma victims, you know, they've locked away a lot of their traumatic memories. But in so doing, in blocking it, they've blocked little aspects of them as well. And those little aspects are locked away, playing out and reliving the trauma. And then all it takes is a smell, a sound, a sight, somebody's voice, um, for somebody to behave in a certain way towards them, and it triggers the emotions. So all this stuff then comes to the surface, and 
then we struggle in dealing with it and we put up huge blocks again. Whereas it's great if we can find ways to go in and find these blocks, allow them to surface, heal them in a very, very safe way. And inner child work is brilliant for that. You know, befriend your inner children. Make sure they're very calm, safe and strong. Um, and again, it's bringing in this beautiful, wonderful light that's you. So with children, when I do this with children, we download I'm calm, safe and strong. And I've written a couple of stories and, and children's rhymes uh, where they step into their light, into this magical place within. And above them is their wiser, higher self. And it's like a beautiful silver crown beaming light down on top of them. And when they bring this laser of light down into their amygdala and they switch off stress, leaving them feeling calm once again. And then they download, I'm calm, safe and strong. And they bring it into all the chakras. They bring it into their mind, their heart and their core. And they feel it in their body, in their muscles and nerves. And it's very important because how we feel is crucial. So if a child feels calm, safe and strong, well, then that's the energy they're signaling out to the cosmos. And the cosmos, through synchronized events, brings back more reasons to feel calm, safe and strong. So how we feel, we are feeling beings that think. And I think that was Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor. She did the first ever TED Talk and it went viral. She is. Um, she wrote a book, My Stroke of Insight. This neuroscientist witnessed herself having a stroke. Uh, a fascinating lady. And... You know, she said, it's very, very important. We are feeling beings that think. We absorb our environment in through our senses and the brain creates a collage of what the present moment looks like, sounds like, feels like, tastes like, and smells like. Then we think. And our thinking will then kick in based on our past experiences. So how we feel and the memories that we've stored in our body. Have you heard of Bessel van der Kolk? The body keeps the score. And his research shows that we store all our emotional experiences in the body. And I think it was Dr. Candy's perch. All this stuff is stored in our body. And then when we're born, our cell has this epigenetic inheritance, which is kind of on and above. It's around the cell. So it sits there waiting to be triggered. So the whole idea is if we can take responsibility for our energy, for the energy of who we are, of how we turn up in the world. So going in and doing a daily ritual of cleansing, and you can do this in the shower. You know, it's a wonderful way when you're in the shower, you're downloading this amazing beam of light down through all your chakras with the intention that you are balancing and harmonizing. You know, you can... Bring that light down into the earth beneath your feet. And I say to people, we have 10 toes. So we have 10 connections with the earth. We have our genetic link, our ancestral, the karmic, soul group, past life, present, future, masculine, feminine, and any other link with the earth. And any other link is a bit like a rabbit warren because we don't know what other links we've had. 
and what needs to be covered. So when you're bringing light down through all your chakras, down into your earth star chakra, and down into what I call the family vault beneath um, all of your connection with the earth, because that's where we emerge from, you know, all our imprints. You know, you look back through the generations and you look at the photo albums and you go, wow, they've just carried, you know, the uh, same eyes, the same hair, same height and frame or hair color, but also the hot-headedness or the generosity or the sense of humor or the love of maths. So there's so much wonderful stuff that we want to inherit, but at the same time, if we inherit the negative stuff, then we get to decide, well, actually, I can end the cycle here and I'm changing. And to be born and to be incarnated into the world at this amazing wonderful time where we are shifting you know this wonderful evolution you know of the soul and we get to shed tons of karmic energy eons of karmic energy past life stuff you know it's wonderful so how we support our energy is crucial the energy we turn up you know in our relationships the energy will determine the relationship we have and the feedback we get. So if we're, you know, if fear is being triggered in us, we need to deal with fear. If grief is being triggered in us, we need to deal with grief. If a sense of loss or low self-esteem, and this is a wonderful way crystals can really come in and support us. But we have within us this amazing light. We don't need to go outside of us to seek healing from anyone, we can find it within. And it's tapping into your light within, opening your heart. And when people are struggling, the first thing they do is shut down. Whereas actually, we really need to work at keeping our heart open because an open heart takes us out of the overthinking ego, takes us into compassion, self-care, love, soul essence. And that's the connection because we need to remember we are human beings and a lot of people have lost sight of the being part of them i wanted to go back to something you mentioned about um relationships the blocking that we do when we've had a trauma or we've had a bad experience that it seems as though when you shut down or block or you've had that bad experience and you put it away so you don't have to think or deal with it. And of course, life will continue to give you the same experience over and over again because you haven't dealt with it. Um, is it almost like putting that away, in a sense, allows you to continue carrying it around? Like you think that you've cut off contact with someone because it was a bad experience, but the fact that you've cut them off and sort of suppress them or just put them in a box somewhere is actually allowing you to carry that box around with you wherever you go. Yeah. All the time that box of emotion is sitting in your energy, well, then you're resonating with that energy. And whatever you resonate with, that's what the law of attraction brings back to you. So we can tell ourselves, I'm free, I'm free, I've moved on, I've let go. But then underneath our arm, in our backpack behind us, we're holding this big box of wounds. And that sits in our energy and that's what we vibrate to. And that's the signal we give to the 
you know, up to the cosmos. It's wonderful to be able to let that light pour into your heart and then pour into the heart of your little inner child or pour into the heart of you in that relationship. And what you're saying is, look, you know, I know it hurts. It's not nice. Yeah, but let's just deal with us. Let's deal with what's going on inside of us. It's got nothing to do with the other person at this moment. It's we're just acknowledging, look at all the hurt we're feeling. So it's allowing you a safe place to bring that to the surface. I think that that point about working with your relationships in the past so as not to have them again in the future is really important for people to understand. You're tying the dynamic of your relationship to that yeah. person. So when you mention bringing in the light, is it thinking of the dynamic of the two of you as a relationship and you're bringing light into that to heal it? Is, is that a way of looking at it? There's a number of ways. So the first thing is it's always taking your awareness to your heart center and finding within you the wound you hold at that level. And when you can heal it at a physical heart level through your I suppose, for want of a better word, your higher heart awareness. So the light that's coming through is coming from the higher heart into the physical heart and healing on that level. When you can heal the wound on that level, that gives you the open heart where you then have self-compassion, self-care, self-worth, self-esteem. And that then enables you to, I suppose, lift the box off the shelf and put it in front of you and face it. Um, sometimes just opening the box and allowing the emotions to surface. And again, it's a bit like that onesie technique where you allow the emotions to surface, you deal with them, you process them, but you do it at a level and pace that's right for you. So you, with the onesie, there might be 15 onesies. It, it's like layers of an onion. You peel away one layer, you think, oh, I dealt with the anger, and now there's the rage. So you deal with the rage, and now there's the sadness. You deal with the sadness, now there's the hurt. You deal with the hurt, now there's the wound. You deal with the wound, and now there's this desperate need for acceptance. And you deal with that, and then suddenly you find, actually, I can let this person go. And if you do it at the level and pace that's right for you, if that's your intention, so, you know, everyone's different um, and everyone relates differently, but there's a wonderful way of cutting ties as well. And I like to use crystals for that. I like to use flint from the garden. Uh, flint is wonderful energy for um, cutting negative ties. And there's a very, very simple technique. It's where you hold a piece of flint in one hand so in your right hand, say, and in your left hand, you hold either rose quartz or morganite, hematite. And what you're doing is you're opening the heart. You're allowing the layers of heart, the, the emotions to surface. And as they do, you're allowing the flint, the energy of the flint to cut through the emotion. Another wonderful crystal for that is jet. Jet has the ability to suck out negative emotion and negative energies, but it also works with grief. Um, I think it became very fashionable um, in the 1800s when Queen Victoria's husband, Albert, died. 
and suddenly everybody was wearing jet jewellery because jet crystal was recognised as being a wonderful healing stone for um, helping with grief and loss and, and depression around it. So, and it, it's a wonderful um, crystal to work with. Another lovely way to deal with that is to get two little pieces of, of jet crystal and place them under the soles of your feet. You know the waist on the foot, the line across the middle of your foot. And if you were to place two pieces of jet crystal there, it works with the kidney meridian and it helps you release a lot of fear. And when you're doing that, if you also hold a piece of high vibrational crystal in your left hand, so for instance, um, lithium light, or fire and ice rainbow quartz, beautiful crystal to work with where you're bringing a lot of light energy into your body and to hold a piece of tourmaline in the right hand. And that's a very, very grounding crystal. And what you're actually doing is you're working through fear. So you're saying, look, I know the fear is in there. I'm sitting with it. I'm actively bringing it up in a very safe place and a very safe way in which to release it. I'm working through my heart center. So there's no thinking. There's no, what am I letting go? Who's that related to? You're just in the art of allowing yeah, and simply being. Uh, I've done this a lot with a lot of clients and also a lot of students. But it's a great way to acknowledge, look, there's a lot of fear coming up. Is it mine? Is it epigenetic inheritance? Is it a bit of both? Um, you know, but I'm processing it. I'm owning it. I'm dealing with it. I'm allowing it to surface. And actually, I'm processing it through the crystals. I'm giving it an outlet. What has been the response from your students in relationship to your work with crystals? I'm sure you find a broad spectrum of responses. Um, a few years back, we had about 10 people on one particular workshop, and they all picked um, a, the same uh, crystals, but you know, about six of each crystal. And one person put theirs in a circle, another put theirs in a square, another put theirs in a triangle and then they stepped into the energy. It's, it's like a, having a bath of, of the energy of that particular type of crystal. And, um, and it was lovely and everyone felt great. And then they stepped out and then they stepped into each other's uh, crystal grids. And they were all amazed at how each one of them felt so different. But they, it was the surge of energy, the shift, the notable change in their entire auric field when they stepped into a, a little grid created with six little tumble stumps, you know, whether it was carnelian or rose quartz or clear crystal. Um, another lady, I think, had red jasper, the tourmaline, but each time they stepped into this little crystal grid, they were amazed at the huge shifts in their energy. And they all felt amazing afterwards a sense of contentment and peace. We don't realize it until we step into the energy of the crystal or we bring the energy of the crystal into us and really connect with it on an energetic level. And oh my word, do you feel the shifts? For anyone who isn't familiar with what crystal grid work or crystal grid energy is, you're actually creating a shape 
you're putting specific crystals in and then you're working with that energy? How does how does that translate? I suppose, you know, it brings in a sense of sacred geometry as well because you're creating a shape. You're creating a shape using the energy of the crystals and then those crystals combine to create a frequency. Then you're taking your frequency of energy and you're stepping into the frequency that the crystal grid has created and now your energy is being held in that energy. And as we know from physics, frequency affects frequency and the lighter frequency always disperses the dense. So crystals are pure. Yeah, We do need to clear our crystals, by the way. So after working with them, they will have cleared and shifted a lot of our energy or absorbed a lot of our energy, our negative energy. So it's important that we put them out to the elements, back to Mother Nature by placing them on grass or the earth. Um, or even in a flower pot, or working with another crystal to clear them. But it's where you're creating a frequency of energy, using the crystals to create it, and to hold the intention. You're then stepping into this amazing, I call it a symphony of light. So you're stepping into this, and your entire auric field will shift and change as a result of it. A hard-working crystal like jet, for instance, you know, it's doing so much to disperse lower vibrations. You mentioned clearing crystals with plant pots, possibly sunlight, maybe water. Would there be any other methods you would think to recommend? Yeah, um, water is fine for the harder crystals, but not for the selenite. Um, I love putting crystals out in a thunderstorm or out in the moonlight or in the sunlight. Um, I love putting them on soil or the earth. Um, so different, different people like different things. I keep all my crystals. Um, they're spotted around the house. They all have a purpose within each room. But the crystals I work with, they are all kept in um, old printer trays. You know the little uh, printer trays where they all have these tiny compartments? Yes. So I have trays and trays and trays of crystals. So I just carry out the printer trays and put them in the garden, out in the sunlight, out in the moonlight. Um, definitely the bigger crystals go out in thunderstorms. I love it. But, you know, if you don't have a garden, placing it into a plant pot, you know, in with the plant. Selenite ones are wonderful. If you happen to have a selenite wand, you know, you can sit about six or eight little crystals depending on how large your selenite wand is and selenite helps to purify the crystals smudging is another fantastic way and when i work with energy workers i always say to them reach up to your higher self ask for a beautiful ball of light and drop that into the crystal setting the intention and it's stripped back to its purest form and that's a beautiful way of bringing in light there are a lot of gardeners out there repotting or starting a new garden, transplanting. Can you recommend specific crystals that would be good in a garden setting? Um, anything with a double termination, really, because that absorbs and it emits energy. So you're, it's like it's drawing off the soil and clearing anything, but it's really powering the roots, the plants. Bloodstone, any of, any of the agates, they're really brilliant because they're just earth stones so there's so many different agates that you can get and they're fantastic i love moss agate myself 
Um, so any of the agates really, or any of the grounding crystals, but sometimes just a little crystal quartz tumble stone that you put the intention into it that this plant is going to be happy, healthy and bountiful. You know, it's the simplest of intention. And then that crystal holds that intention and that's the energy that's emitted into the plant. And, you know, it's all about energy. It's all about the environment that we're creating for the plant. Same with us. It's all about the environment that we're creating for us. So our home, for instance, whatever we watch on TV, that's kind of broadcast around the room. All the electrical sockets. Unikite is a brilliant crystal to put around a computer or anything like that. Um, it helps the smog, I suppose, for want of a better word. Um, if you've got electric meters, put some crystals in around that so that it's going to negate the energy. But it's all about intention. And it's important that we connect with the crystals at the beginning and work with them with the intention to work with the crystal and with the intention that the crystal will bring about a harmonious environment in which we, our energy, is then harmonious. I actually have a couple of selenite wands that I've placed on top of my internet router with the intention. Oh, yeah, and my goal was to sleep better at night. <laughs> oh, do you know, selenite wands are fantastic for sweeping your aura. And it's very easy to do it yourself. It's almost like when, if you were to visualize you standing in front of you, but much smaller, and what you do then is you just sweep your aura with the selenite wand and you visualize as if the wand is going all around you. So as you're sweeping it down, you're popping your head up through the middle of the wand and then out the other side. So it's head to toe. Every part of you has been immersed in this beautiful selenite healing. It's sometimes after a healing, uh, there's, it's where we've dislodged little bits and little bits come up in our energy. And this is a wonderful way of smoothing it healing it and sealing it. It's like it's just repairing um, the auric field. And Labradorite is a wonderful crystal uh, to wear to really give you a very strong auric field. So I would visualize my mini-me and I would take this selenite or what was the stone you used? Labradorite. Labradorite. And you would sweep it around the aura of the mini-me to cleanse it and to smooth the edges? If your selenite wand is about an inch wide and you're holding it in your right hand and it's vertical and you're sweeping down through your aura and as you hit your head, it's like your head pops up in the middle of the selenite and as you're sweeping down more of you is appearing at the top and then off at your feet so now you've done your whole um, auric field one sweep and then you would do that a number of times. I think that's pretty easy and the other thing is you do say it's about intention so the intention of your action is going to be effective I would imagine. Exactly and whatever intention you put into your selenite wand as well. So it's important that we kind of build a relationship with these. Um, you know, these crystals hold their own energy, their own vibration, and we're actually asking for permission to work with them. So we're acknowledging that they are indeed a very high vibration, 
or a pulsating, vibrating um, energy. And it's, it's about respect, I think, asking the crystal to work for your greatest and highest good and the greatest and highest good of all concerned. So when we bring anything into our home, we want it to have a purpose. We want it to enhance our environment and we want it to work at supporting not just us, but everyone. Um, so in my house, I have selenite in all four corners of the ground floor of the house. And then I have it in the doorway and I have it at the bottom of the stairs in a grid. And the intention is it purifies and cleanses the energy throughout the house. So when anyone walks into the house or walks out of the house, it's almost like whatever debris they've brought in with them, it's kind of dispersed and cleansed. They all have a purpose. And strawberry quartz is lovely to do in a grid around the bed because that really does help with sleep. And six pieces around the bed with the intention that everything is gentle, calm and smooth. and enhance good sleep. So again, it's all about intention. I need to get a boulder of strawberry quartz, I think. (laughs) (laughs) The cycles of the season, phases of the moon, and your incorporation of crystal work. Do you bring out certain crystals, certain times of year, certain phases? Do you pay much attention to that or do you just sort of let it pass out? I, I love the phases of the moon. So for me, I feel I work intuitive and I think everyone should really work with whatever crystal they feel drawn to at any given time. So when I work with the phase of the moon, I always work with an intention. And the first phase of the moon is I am, you know, you're setting an intention. This is what I want. This is what I want to manifest. The second phase is all about you feeling your intention. It's about you beginning to imagine it and and kickstart it and put it into gear. So a lot of the charging crystals, so the carnelians, I think, are wonderful for that. Um, I love mica. Um, uh, It's a wonderful crystal for inner children, but it's also a crystal that helps ease a lot of any nervousness around things, but it also opens up your creativity as well. Um, Then you go into, let me try and remember, oh, when you start, then you kick into action, where you start putting into action whatever it is you want to manifest. Um, And that's where we should really start looking out for the synchronicities in life. And... I find that if something gets triggered, I deal with it there and then. I don't let stuff hoard and I don't wait. If an emotion gets triggered or a fear or a doubt or an insecurity, I journal whatever's happening, but then I deal with it. I go, wow, look what this brought up in me. How amazing. I didn't know that was there. Or, wow, where did that come from? Or, Oh my word, look at this, this, wow, look, this has surfaced. So if you approach it with a wow, how grateful am I that this has come up, it's easier for the energy to surface. Whereas if you uh, approach it with fear or anger or frustration, then you're blocking the healing. Um, Then it's about growing and grounding your ideas. All of that is about you creating fertile soil. So I think the high vibrational crystals, again, bringing all of those in, 
I mean, I wear a, a Herkimer diamond. It's double terminated. It's a brilliant crystal for, I suppose, in a way, directing what you want. It absorbs and it emits energy. It transforms negative energy um, into positive. So if I'm wearing my Herkimer diamond all the time and something comes up for me, I just touch the crystal. It kind of amplifies whatever the energy and intention it is that I'm trying to set in relation to what I'm trying to manifest in the phases and cycles of the moon. Then we have the full moon, and that's about standing in your light. So that's about your powerhouse, your solar plexus. So any of the yellow crystals, really, that you can really use to charge and fill that powerhouse of yours um, and own it. And then we start going in and we start acknowledging the shadows. So that's when a lot of the fears, the vulnerabilities, the doubts, the insecurities, and that's where we can have a real big clear out. Was it Carl Jung said, um, to heal, we need to make conscious the unconscious. And the unconscious are the shadow aspects. I mean, we're only aware of 5% of our cognitive thinking the other 95% is subconscious. And what we're saying here is, look, I'm willing to go in and find all my shadows and we're owning them, we're embracing them, we're going, wow, look what I found, and we're bringing them into the light, we're healing them. So we know we have doubts, we know that's not our strength, so therefore we then go and get help in that area of what it is we're trying to manifest. So it's about owning all of us, the good, the bad, and the ugly, Oh, and that's when we work on limiting beliefs. It's all about cutting ties with the past, letting old stuff go. Um, and for me, I love selenite. I also love apothetite. They also call that um, the Reiki therapist crystal, where you're bringing in new beliefs, you're, you're opening your thinking to a higher level of thinking. And again, that's where, you know, the Alexanderites and the Astraline and the Fire and Ice come in, um, where we can really put a lot of light into our intentions. And what we're saying is, this is what I want to bring into my reality, a very high frequency, a higher belief, higher octave of me, higher perspective. And actually, you know, when you go beyond perspective, that's when you have vision. And I think that's when a lot of the grounding crystals are very important because what you're saying is, yeah, I'm bringing all of this into my reality. You know, I'm letting this flow through my energy. I'm grounding it. I'm, I'm making it very present. Um, and we do need to be very present in our bodies because it's through your body, through your senses and your nervous system that you're actually experiencing life. Work out what we want, what we want to keep what we want to let go of and actually use the finished product. Now I can take it to the next level. We are of the earth and whatever is happening out there on a planetary level, it's impacting on us, on our energy. And selenite is a wonderful crystal to work with and also the moonstone. I suppose it's really, you know, if you were a person that owned six crystals and that's all you had and that's all you had access to, then those six crystals will work perfect for you. You know, even stones from the garden. Have you heard of Laura Conover? 
I think she's called a medical intuitive. She's an American doctor and she talks a lot about earthing and grounding. She shows, you know, since the 60s, well, the 50s or 60s, we've been wearing rubber sole shoes. So we're insulated from the earth. We're not very grounded. And when we go off hiking and we say, oh, I've been out in the elements and I've been out in nature, but we've been wearing a waterproof coat and um, synthetic gloves that are thermal and rubber sole boots and waterproof uh, trousers and hood pulled over our head. And other than our nose, nothing you know gets exposed to the elements. Whereas if we were to pick up a stone, touch a tree, touch the leaves of a tree where there's more moisture, then we're connecting with nature. But the best way to ground is bare feet on grass or soil or concrete. You know, we don't need to go off and buy expensive crystals. Uh, it's just the intention to work with them and open-hearted. The more we can keep an open heart, then we'll have an open mind. But I love, you know, wherever I'm going in nature, I love to pick up stones from a field or wherever. And now I'm in touch with the nature that I'm in in that moment in time and a stone in each hand is amazing but it's touching nature physically skin on on a tree or grass is brilliant have you heard of andrew hooperman he's a neuroscientist and he said if when we're faced with a challenge or faced which i mean goodness the whole globe is faced with a challenge at the moment but he said three things naturally happen one is we get stressed we get agitated and we get confused and he said if only we could deal with those three things then we've moved through the challenge or we've moved through the change but we should acknowledge all of those as little mini wins so every time an emotion comes up when we process it that's a little win um, another layer of something comes up and we process it. That's another little win. When we deal with the stress of something, you know, that's another achievement. And by dealing with the stress, then we're going to be less agitated. And when we're less agitated, we're going to have more clarity of mind and therefore we're less confused. So sometimes, you know, we're faced with something and we're so overwhelmed because we've stored so many unresolved issues in our body and then when we're faced with the newest challenge all those unresolved challenges they're all surfacing at the same time and now we're, we're so overwhelmed and we put up a bigger block so that we can deal with it and cope and then we become more and more and more blocked and shut off to life and living but knowing that it's normal and natural helps so it's normal and natural to feel stressed. It's normal and natural to feel agitated. And it's normal and natural to feel confused. But owning those three things, finding simple ways of dealing with those, then we move beyond it. Try to be more curious than afraid. Yeah. And I think if people in general could find a little toolbox that they can fall back on and they know when an emotion comes up, this works. When I get stressed, that works. When I get agitated, this works. When I go out in nature, I feel so much better. Uh, you know, writing a letter 
um, and burning it. You know, we don't even have to send it to the person in question. Um, keeping a journal, breath work, you know, to breathe that light into your lungs and to think of your heart as a third lung. So every breath you take, you're breathing that high frequency light into your lungs and what you're saying is you're nurturing and all the time you're soothing you're caressing strengthening your body you can bring it into your nervous system you know there's so many ways of nurturing who we are and caring for ourselves and you know we've lost the art of that over the years but if we could get ourselves to a really good toolbox of techniques that work for us then we know actually we don't need to be afraid we can deal with this and take it in bite-sized pieces. So every single experience is a contribution to the whole. And so that we could go out and open our hearts and trust and love again without fearing getting hurt. There's a beautiful crystal, it's called blue amber. And it's not until you hold it up at the light that you see the little blue ridge going through it. And it is wonderful for children and adults. And what it does is it, it kind of works on the energetic bodies, on the emotional, mental and physical, but it, it's a natural healer and it calms and soothes and heals us. So whether you resort to sitting for a half an hour holding a crystal and breathing in light, whether you go and sit in the garden with your feet on the grass and make shapes with the clouds or whether you candle gaze, that's another wonderful way. Um, but I think all too often we've lost sight of the fact that we need to rest and restore. You know, we think, oh, to rest means I'll catch up with the dishes or I'll catch up with housework or I'll go and meet her for lunch. But sometimes actually rest and restore is where we do nothing. We just sit and breathe. Neuroscience says now that if we can get through our to-do list, not hoard things. Uh, don't take on any excess responsibilities that you don't need to. Because what we forget is we take those things on and we take them into our energy and then they sit there like hoarders, clogging up our energy and we get drained and overwhelmed and tired. Whereas, you know, the more you can go, well, actually, I've done what I needed to do today and I'm fine. I think a lot of us have been so gerbil on the wheel for so long that we actually have forgotten how to rest. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think, you know, lockdown has taught us, actually, does it matter whether these things do or don't get done? I think more and more people are realizing that life was too fast to pace and that we do need to find ways of chilling, relaxing and having more fun and play in life. And that doesn't mean sitting in front of a TV for eight hours, um, but actually finding things that stimulate us or that we get pleasure from. But it's very important that we sometimes just sit and do nothing. That's when they say bored children are more creative um, because boredom has taken them to the level of they've totally switched everything off and now they kick in their uh, creative juices. Whereas if we keep giving them things to do, they never learn for themselves to actually allow the brain to kick in. I think when we do rest and restore, that's when we switch on our creativity. 
I agree with that. People, now that they've been sort of taken away from a lot of the things that they would normally do to distract themselves, they've realized that those were in fact just distractions. And now they've come to an understanding that they actually have hobbies. You know, before they would have been self-professed as someone without any interests, but they've discovered that they really like painting or they really like um, even just going for walks. And before they would have yeah. thought that that was not their inclination. Definitely, I agree with you wholeheartedly mm -hmm. on that. And I think the other thing as well is people are realizing, actually, I need time with me. I'm, I'm finding me again. Sometimes we can get lost in our relationships or we lose our identity with our group of friends and, you know, we, we forget who we are underneath it all. And it's lovely to connect in with that light within and just open our heart and find that self-care, self-love, self-compassion. And I think when we can feel that about ourselves, then the version of us we bring to the world is a far greater version than we have ever brought before. And that's when we can really find pleasure in the simple things in life. If everything we do in life and we say, well, how will this help others or how will others benefit from what I do, then that raises the frequency and the level of what it is you're doing to a very high level and you're giving something back to humanity just through the power of intention all the time and that creates that give and take. Then you find you're opening up to abundance of life. And life brings you an abundance of everything you need. So it, it's it's like we're opening up to the cycles of life in a very, very open-hearted way. Some people struggle with the inactivity. They struggle with the self-connection. And that's where someone like yourself would come in, um, someone who is a holistic therapist and an intuitive therapist. I'm just wondering, when you receive your information in terms of working with people, is this clara audience or is it sensate or is it any and all manner of sensory perception? It depends on who I'm working with. Um, I tend to work across the board, I so it's an inner knowing. Also, I see the energy, so I see what the energy of what I'm doing or how it impacts on the energy the person presents. But what I find with how I'm guided to work is I'm always guided to empower the person. So when I work with them, I always show them a technique or give them a technique that they can take home themselves and work for themselves. And I feel that's how we should be as therapists and healers. It's about us empowering the clients so they can do it for themselves and I've been doing this for about 19 years now and I think the only I can only recall one client that refused any help at all and to me that was a huge healing because she I, I was working with her on a particular issue and then she said I don't have to let that go and I said no you don't and I said and maybe you're not ready to let it go now and then she wanted to end the session and when she left and I said to her, you know, this in itself is a healing because now you've identified the issue and the issue is there's a part of you that's holding on to this and that part of you has a greater need from the issue than you do through healing. So I suggested she 
actually take that to a therapist um, and talk it through. Uh, so sometimes the healings can be not what we expect them to be, but I think everybody gains and benefits uh, from healings. But what I found is when you help people step into their light and open their heart, that's something they can do falling asleep. And in fact, when we're in that state where we're just slipping in, you know, the, the brain waves are changing and we're slipping into the theta brain waves and you're in that beautiful open hearted state and you're saying to yourself, I love me, I love my life, I love who I am, I'm so grateful for the life I live, I'm so grateful for my open heart and you're giving yourself all this wonderful self-affirming worth just as you're about to slip into sleep and that's very powerful and very healing and you know that's been the the, the most profound shift and change for people because when they learn to do that for themselves uh, that brings about the biggest change I think that's a change from within it's up to the client as to whether they block the healing or enable it have you heard of the book the everything book he was in what the beat doing now he's a, a lovely elderly gentleman and in that book the one thing i took out of that book was for true change to happen the brain must be engaged and i found that interesting because i thought we have so many concepts so many beliefs so many perceptions a thought can build us up or knock us down and if we if we can really engage with someone and really open their heart, set the tone for everything else, and then bring in heart-brain coherence where they can bring their thinking into alignment with their open, trusting heart, that's when the true shifts happen because they're shifting their beliefs, they're clearing their perceptions. And I think it's um, Dr. Bruce Lipton in his book, Biology of Belief, he said, the moment you start changing your perception, that's the moment you rewrite the chemistry of your body. And for people to realize, actually, I am enough. Actually, I have a value. Actually, I have a purpose. Actually, I, I do like who I am. Actually, I am lovable. Then that's when the body heals. That's when the body then totally rewrites the chemistry and life becomes what they want it to be. It's um, the physical, cellular, energetic approach to manifestation. It is indeed. And when you think about it, if we have a heart that's full of grief and loss and pain and suffering, and, you know, I work with a lot of people, and when I say to them, you know, does your six-year-old have that? Yes. Does your four-year-old? Yes. Does your one-year-old? Yes. Does baby you have it? Yes. Can you see that in fetal you? Yes. And it's a bit of an eye-opener for a lot of people that they realize, actually, this isn't about my relationship with my mom and me. I was born with this energy and I was born into the frequency of energy that resonated with it. So then they realize, actually, I'm carrying a soul wound or a soul group wound or an epigenetic inheritance or actually I've had this for many lifetimes. And they realize, actually, I, I, I get to own it and keep feeding it or I can bring it to the surface and I can deal with it. 
this is what I'm meant to be dealing with in this life. So why not just get on with it and deal with it? Um, but when people realize that they have the tools, then they can just chip away on a daily basis. You know, I say to people, you know, you've done a healing this morning and, you know, when did you last do a healing? And they go, when I was with you last. And I say, but how often do you brush your teeth? And they say twice a day. And I interbrush and I floss. And I think, but, you know, we go to bed at night and we do our teeth. And then we wake up in the morning and we do it again. And we cleanse our face, even though we cleansed our face last night. But energy is constantly coming up. So it's like teeth brushing. If we can get it into a daily habit, and that's something that was instilled in us from childhood. So it's an ingrained habit that we brush our teeth twice a day. And if people can get into the habit of every time they're brushing their teeth, if they can go in and they can laser their heart, or they can hold their inner child and honor the light in her, or if they can tell themselves, I love being me, I love my life, or if they can put light down into their ancestral inheritance, just while they're brushing their teeth and while they're cleansing you know, their face or removing makeup or doing their hair or whatever. So it's not like we need to take hours out of our day to do this. We can do this in the shower or in the bath or walking the dog or cooking dinner. So it's about finding techniques that we can bring in where we can own our energy and all the time we're raising our vibration, we're lifting our energy. And when you can lift your energy and raise your vibration, then you're lifting your energy within your soul group. And therefore, you're raising the vibration of the whole soul group because your energy will resonate on a different level and you bring in higher frequency. And that's where the crystals are amazing, you know, bringing in all these fabulous crystals. But again, we have to be present. We have to be grounded. There has to be an outlet. And in fact, a lot of people, you know, our body dies and it goes back to the earth. And then we incarnate into another body and that emerges from the earth. And when that soul decides, I want to move on, and then the body goes back to the earth. So all the time, all the wars, all the battles, all the hatred and anger and frustration that was never dealt with, you know, for thousands of years is just sitting there and we're trying to emerge through it and live a fulfilled life. Whereas thousands of years ago, we would have learned how to heal the earth. We would have learned how to nurture our souls. We would have learned how to um, be in touch with nature and be grounded and be present. And we've lost all those arts. And thankfully, you know, people like me, there's loads of therapists and people like you, you know, the work you're doing is fantastic. You're bringing all of this to people's awareness. So you're a conduit for change in that way. And it's really about making people aware so that they then have the choice to say, well, actually, I'd like to try this or I'd like to try that. My understanding is we have it within us. We just need to find it. And it is so rewarding as a therapist when people find their heart, their light within. And in fact, Catherine, I used dowsing rods. Do you know what they look like? 
Oh yes, I've interviewed a couple of dowsers and I've done it myself actually. It's really interesting. Well, you might find this fascinating. If you were to ask a friend to stand in front of you, and so like, um, I'd say about six feet away from you, and then if you were to walk towards them with the dowsing rods and watch the shape, watch the movement of the rods, and it will kind of outline where their aura and the rods meet. And then if you ask them to turn sideways so their shoulder is facing you, and again, get the shape of the aura with the rods and then ask them to turn their back to you and again watch do the rods open out do they go in closer and then to turn so that their other shoulder is facing you and then to turn back so that will have given you a rough shape of their um, aura then when you ask them to step into their light and you do the exact same exercise when they've stepped into their light and when they turn those rods don't change it holds one circle of space and it's almost like that's they've stepped into their inner core self and when you ask them to step out of their light again the rods go back and change a wonderful validation for people when they can see the rods changing in line with what they're doing and their whole auric field is responding to the very intention of them stepping into their light. Oh, that is fascinating. So you're using them as a diagnostic tool to confirm the changes in their auric frequency. Yeah, beautifully put. One lady I had recently, uh, she stood by my front door and I stood by the hall and I actually had to go out through the kitchen and dining room and out into the gardens. And I said, if you were in a supermarket, it now every person between you and me standing here would be in your energy and when she stood into her light I was able to come within about two feet of her and she went wow the difference is huge I don't feel drained I feel everyone reports feeling safer wonderful wonderful feeling and when we you know we are human beings this is our connection we are heart-centered, everything. We have a heartbeat at 10 days in the womb. A 10-day-old fetus has a heartbeat. Our brain does not mature until we're 25 years of age, if we're lucky. <laughs> so why should we live in our heads when our heart, you know, our heart holds the imprint, the frequency of who we are meant to be in this lifetime? And... The other thing that's very important, Catherine, is our Earth Star Chakra. Have you heard of the Earth Star Chakra? Yes, yeah. So when our Earth Star Chakra is activated, all the other chakras then are like a column of light. Have you heard of that before? Yes, I'm actually a Reiki master, so I'm familiar with some of what you're saying. And I know that generally when I see energy, it looks like a golden column. And the more I concentrate on the Earth Chakra, it's sort of... And of course, the chakra above your head as well. It sort of shoots. Yeah. I can see it. It becomes almost a physical presence. Fantastic. And so when we activate the Earth Star Chakra, we are empowering our connection with the Earth. So my understanding of the Earth Star Chakra is a bit like if spirit was to take your birth chart and hand it to Mother Earth and say, here, I'd like you to make a Catherine for me, please. And then Mother Earth looks at the birth chart and says, okay, so she needs the perfect genetic link. She needs the perfect ancestral link, the perfect karmic link, the 
perfect soul group link to bring together the mixture to make Catherine. So at the time of your conception, most of those are already determined. At the time of your birth, depending on the planetary alignments, that will influence your personality. So we are born into where we're meant to be, and it's the Earth Star Chakra is like the template of your soul's blueprint. Now, the energy that's coming up to make you you has got to come up through your blueprint. And we know from Qigong, Tai Chi, all those martial arts, all those ancient energy um, modalities that we bring down universal life force energy down through our chakras. We absorb our environment in through our hands but we draw up from the earth the very energy that makes us who we are in this present moment in time. So my theory is this energy is coming up into us anyway. Why not clear it down at the family vault level so that the energy that's coming up into you to make you who you are is the energy you're meant to inherit, not the other stuff that you inherited by defect or default. So by clearing our links with the earth, clearing the very ground we're standing on, that makes us very safe, very secure, very confident, very um, capable, competent to be who we are so that we can turn up in the world as the person we're meant to be. That makes a lot of sense. It also makes it seem as though the earth, the physical and energetic Earth itself is an integral part of our blueprints. Oh my word, yes, because we are of the Earth. When we die, I don't know who the scientist was, but he took a dessert spoonful of ash from a cremated body, and it had all the properties of everything we need to ingest to make us healthy. So all the mineral compounds that we needed were present. So we emerge from the Earth. We are human we are from Mother Earth, we are of Mother Earth, biochemical. We are a bag of hormones, as Candice Pert said. Whatever we're carrying up through the Earth, the quality of that will determine the quality of us. I think that's why a lot of people are ungrounded at the moment, is they don't like the ground they're standing on, and they don't know how to deal with the stuff that's coming up for them. And it's overwhelming them before it even gets up into their energy. So a lot of people are escaping or a lot of people are very ungrounded. I remember at a workshop once with a group of children and one little boy, when we were doing a grounding exercise, and he stood on the outer ridge of both feet for about 10 minutes. And I thought, I have never seen anything like this in my life. And when I highlighted it to his mom, she said, why do you think that is? And I said, you know, is he grounded? And she went, no, he's, he's the most ungrounded child but he just didn't want his feet on the ground. He didn't like how it felt. And I think more and more that neuroscience are doing all this amazing research, um, we're beginning to actually realize we are energy, we are of the earth, and we are of spirit. And as human beings, it's the combining of the two. And energy needs to flow. So all this beautiful spiritual energy, all this high vibrational energy that's available to us that comes through our chakras and works through this amazing column of light down into the earth, you know, this is really 
important. It's the coming together of these energies that makes us uniquely who we're meant to be in life. We should really be enhancing that in every way possible. We are all part and parcel of this amazing mass evolution. When our ancestors died, they didn't fully put closure on things. So stuff is sitting there, unresolved stuff. You only have to look at countries where there's still fights. And yet, if you were to strip it back decades and years, all the people that were involved in the original battles, they're all dead and gone. But their pride, their anger, their hatred, it lives on in the next generation. And it's just carried forward and forward and forward. And these are the things that need to be put at rest. Um, but ideally, it's us owning the energy that makes us who we are, taking responsibility for us, and also the food we ingest and the water we drink. I mean, Shungite water is amazing. I don't know if you've ever heard of Shungite water, have you? It's a, It's an infused or a charged water, isn't it? Yeah, but Shungite is amazing. I think it's got, uh, what do they call it, um, full of antioxidants and it neutralizes free radicals. When you place the Shungite in water, it fills the water with oxygen, magnesium, minerals, calcium, all sorts of stuff. Um, but it contains, um, I think it's almost the entire uh, periodic table of elements and fullness so they're like uh, a unique form of carbon molecules they're known as buckyballs um, and they attract and neutralize all sorts of contaminants but the research has been amazing I think there was a Nobel Peace Prize in given to the scientists that looked into the healing properties of it because they were given this award for their uh, contribution to um, mankind's wellness. So, you know, when we do all these healings, it's great if we can then drink water that's really, really good, stripped back to its purest form, full of everything we need to fully um, hydrate the body, keep the fluids going, and flush out all, all the toxins. So what we eat, what we drink, what we listen to, what we engage in, our activities, they all contribute to our energy. But it's about us taking ownership and finding what works. It doesn't take anything to do this. You, you can fit it in with a bicycle ride or walking the dog or cooking dinner or in the shower or falling asleep at night. But it's a lovely way to end your day and it's a lovely way to start your day with a heart centre. And what you find is if you do that often enough, it develops a new habit. There used to be the belief that it took 28 days to develop a new habit, but Dr. Caroline Leaf, she brought out a new book called Cleaning Up Your Mind, something like that. And in the book, she, takes, she says it takes 62 or 65 days to develop a new habit um, or a new thought. Uh, so, you know, it's all down to practice and repetition. The more we do something, the easier it becomes. And if we can take it to a heartfelt level, then wow. Speaking with Marion is a little bit like plugging into an active stream of consciousness. 
a meditative, subtle energy full of universal understanding and awareness. The philosophy that we, as humans, exist as a vibrating connection between a higher self energy and the energy of the earth evokes a feeling of peace and potential. The potential for a journey along this channel to bring in awareness in ways that open our hearts and stoke our internal light. It is the understanding that we have a choice in how we manage our energy. And if we look at energy management as a skill to be developed, there's no limit to our potential. We could all be conduits, sending a ripple of love and healing to the environment around us. You're listening to Nature, Therapy, and Beyond with Catherine Skynot. Appreciation to my guest, holistic and intuitive therapist, Marion Ryan. Gratitude to Blue Dot Sessions, www.sessions.blue, for our instrumentals. And to you, thank you for listening.